Welcome to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. There's an explanation for this. Featuring Nick. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. And Jay. This is so nuts. Listen to what you're saying. Please note, these episodes will contain spoilers and in-depth discussion of the plots and characters of the films. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. This is our review of Prometheus, starring Numi Rapace, Michael Fassbender, Guy Pearce, Idris Elba, Logan Marshall Green, and Charlize Theron. Written by John Spates and Damon Lindelof, directed by Ridley Scott. Of course, released this year, the long-awaited Is It or Is It Not an Alien prequel, budget of anywhere from $120-$130 million, and as of this recording, which is one week after it was released in the U.S., it's made $58 million domestically, over 150 worldwide, but... You know, it's finally here, Nick. I mean, we, we waited for a long time. We've done this entire Alien series. We've even done the dreaded AVP, AVPR films. We talked a lot about our expectations, and then we got to see this movie. So when and where did you get a chance to watch this thing? Um, I got to see a sneak preview of this movie, uh, I believe it was Monday before the release, and then I saw it again on Friday in 3D. I saw the first time in 2D and then the second time in 3D. All right, I saw it Saturday afternoon in 3D as well myself. I have not seen the 2D version, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But what was your crowd like? I mean, it was there was still a decent crowd Saturday afternoon, even in my small town for this thing. Uh, for the critical screening, I mean, that was this typical crowd. I mean, you got half the critics from our, my city and my area, and then the other half is filled up with people who got sneak preview passes. So it was a sold-out show. I mean, it's free, so of course it's going to be sold out. And for Friday evening, it was about 95% filled. I don't think it was a sold-out crowd, but it was pretty close. That's still pretty good. That's still a pretty decent uh, amount. Now, it's, it's simple to say, you know, we, we usually, we haven't done a lot of, you know, as they're released films here uh, on Filmstrip, but the ones we have, we usually try to hit them quicker. This one we put off a week to let a little bit of it stew and us to work on it and think about it for a little bit because this film has, I, I, mean, I don't know about you, I had a lot of mixed reaction to it and it, it's easy to say it's come out to mixed reviews. I mean, it's got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert says the you know, most genius thing he's ever seen, which you know should worry all of us. But it's <laughs> his, not... His, his jaw dropped. It has not been met with the same acclaim. And, and I hate to compare these two, but I'm going to throw it in there. You know, universally, when Avengers came out, everybody said, yeah, thin plot, but who cares? Looks awesome, amazing, and your greatest comic film ever. There was all that crap. Well, nobody's saying that at all about this. Not even the greatest alien film ever. There's there's a lot of uh, mixed reaction to this, to say the least. Yeah, there is. I mean, you see a lot of it more online than actual the critical reviews of it, and a lot of the websites I frequent, a lot of the forums I post on, they are literally destroying this movie, uh, tearing it apart from the seams. And uh, it's actually kind of an int- pretty interesting. I see it a lot like The Avengers with it being a very strong visual movie. And The Avengers seems to be getting a pass where this one is not getting a pass. And I, Actually, I, I find it hilarious. I, I find it just... 
I think there's a reason for that. Maybe we can get into that toward the end as to why one may be getting a pass and the other one not. As we See, go, I, I, I have to I have to show my hand right now though. As I'm one of the few that didn't really enjoy the Avengers too much. Um, I've been blasted nonstop by many people because I I think it's an okay movie. I don't think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think it's a I think Iron Man, the first Iron Man, is ten times better than the Avengers, but. I'm pretty much alone in that, and I guess I'm kind of cynical at my age, so whatever. <laughs> well, uh, before we go any further, I guess we should say, now we're a week after it's come out, so I assume if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you've either seen this thing or are planning to see it or don't mind us telling you everything about it, but we're going to spoil it pretty heavy. And you know, Nick, we talked about on an earlier podcast that you had gone in, you knew a lot of advanced knowledge on this, had read a lot about it, and then you even got the advanced screening on it. And up until we had recorded Alien vs. Predator Requiem, I had gone fairly spoiler-free for most of it. But somewhere along the line, the last week leading up to it, I don't know if I just gave in or what, but I just read everything I could get my hands on. You sent me stuff. I talked to a lot of people. I, I pretty well knew it before I walked in the theater. And that's something I'll say now never bothers me. I've done that a lot of times. That really started back when I was watching Buffy. And if you listen to our Art of Slaying podcast, when that comes around in the reviews, you'll hear me talk about that. Spoiling it never bothers me. It never worries me because I still want to see it. I still want to experience it. And I can still enjoy something even if I know exactly how it's going to go out. So I gave in to the spoilerific temptation because, look, the film was out a week in theaters in Europe before we got a shot at it here. So there was bound to be a lot of info out there. So it was almost hard to avoid, but I guess for anybody that's still hanging on that hadn't seen it out there, this is your last warning before we start giving away all the, uh, quote secrets. <laughs> yeah, what is, what is with that lately with the, uh, yeah. the movies getting released overseas before the U S now it's, I the think other a way. lot of it has to do with studios. This one, the, the word is on this, that, Charlie Theron, who also is playing the evil witch in the Snow White and the Huntsman film, which I did also see, and I do not recommend and give a small popcorn and a mini review right now. It was out the week before this one was, and <laughs> I don't think her people and the studio wanted to put, you know, she's kind of a bad person supposedly in both of them. They didn't want to put those up against each other, but, or for whatever reason, that's what's being told out there. The truth is this was shot in England and it's made by an Englishman. I happen to think they probably, or it's made by somebody from Europe. I happen to think it may have a lot more to do with that than anything. as The use of pine wood and the 007 stage and all that kind of stuff. I, I really do think that may play more into it than this. And who knows? Fox may realize that <laughs> this was going to get destroyed <laughs> um, domestically, so it might as well make its dough, you know, foreign because that's a, it, it's trending very much like alien three did where foreign audiences and some critics really love it. And then most people who are fans of the series hate it. So yeah, I better not go over to England, man. I'm going <laughs> to end up getting into a pub fight with someone <laughs> over the alien series. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many of our viewers from across the our listeners from across the pond we have, but uh, we'll see how many we have left when we're done here. But I guess before we go any further, Nick, please give us a plot summary of Prometheus. In 2089, archaeologist couple Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie Halloway discover a series of eerily similar cave drawings from several unconnected ancient cultures. They interpret this as an invitation from humanity's creators, or engineers as they call them. Peter Wayland, an elderly CEO of Wayland Corporation, funds the creation 
of a scientific vessel called the Prometheus to follow the map to a distant moon uh, called LV-223. The ship's crew travels in stasis, while Android David monitors their voyage, and they arrive in 2093. Mission Director Meredith Vickers orders them to avoid making direct contact. The Prometheus lands near the large temple-like structure, and the team is sent to explore. Inside, they find stone cylinders, a statue of a humanoid head, and a corpse of a giant alien, though thought to be one of the engineers. Other bodies are later found, and the species is presumed to be extinct. David secretly takes a cylinder while remaining... <laughs> Sorry. It's hard to get through it. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> David secretly takes a Dave, uh, that, that, slap slap. David secretly takes a cylinder while the remaining cylinders begin leaking dark liquid. A rapidly approaching storm forces, forces the crew to return to the Prometheus, leaving two other crew members, Fifield and Milburn, stranded in the structure. In the ship, the engineer's DNA is analyzed and found to be an exact match of humans. Meanwhile, David investigates the cylinder and discovers a dark liquid. He intentionally infects a drunken Halloway with the substance before Shaw and Halloway have sex. Don't you hate that when that happens? I, I hate it when I get infected. I, it's just dead gum androids. Inside the structure, Fifield and Milburn are attacked by snake-like creatures that look very phallic. Milburn is killed, and corrosive fluid comes from one of the creatures and melts Fifield's helmet exposing him to the leaking, dark liquid. The crew returns to the structure and find Milburn's corpse. David discovers a room containing the engineer in stasis and a star map highlighting Earth. Halloway's infection rapidly ravages his body, and he is rushed back to the Prometheus. Vickers refuses to let him aboard, and at his own request burns him with a flamethrower. A medical scan reveals Shaw, despite being sterile, is pregnant with an alien offspring. Shaw uses an automated surgery table to cut it out from her abdomen. While stumbling around the ship after surgery, nobody cares. What the hell? <laughs> nobody cares about her, but they care about Wayland, who has just been shown to be alive in on st and in stasis aboard the Prometheus. He explains his intentions are to the engineers. He explains his intentions are to meet the engineers and for them to prevent his death from old age. A mutated Fifield attacks the hangar bay and kills several crew members before being killed himself by the Prometheus captain's Janik. Janik speculates the structure was part of an engineer military base that lost control of a biological weapon, the Dark Liquid. It's like the Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> anybody remembers that cartoon? Uh, Wayland and his team return to the structure and awaken the engineer, who is discovered to be the pilot of an engineer spaceship that looks like a giant croissant. David speaks to the engineer, who responds by decapitating him and killing Wayland and others. Many others, Red so, so the So the engineer is the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Shaw escapes the engineer's spaceship as it is activated by the humanoid alien. A still active David, he's just his head, <laughs> tells Shaw the engineer is going to release the liquid on Earth. Shaw convinces Janik to stop the engineer's spaceship by crashing the Prometheus into it while Vickers ejects from the ship. A disabled engineer's spaceship crashes on the planet, killing Vickers, who cannot veer left. Shaw visits Vickers' lifeboat and finds, an, finds the alien offspring of hers that has grown to gigantic-sized, trapped inside. The engineer survives the crash and attacks Shaw, 
who realizes the alien who releases the alien offspring. In turn, it attacks the engineer and thrusts his tentacle down its throat. Shaw recovers David's remains and, with his help, launches another engineer spaceship to travel to their homeworld and attempt to understand why they created, created humanity and later decided to destroy it. It's an excellent plan. In the lifeboat, an alien bursts out of the dying engineer's chest with the characteristics of the famous xenomorph. And the screen cuts black. And no, you are not watching AVP. You're watching Prometheus. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I distinctly remember parts of this plot summary. And I had moments in the theater with my 3D glasses where I would take them off and just rub my eyes and my head with my hands going, didn't I see this when Paul W.S. Anderson did it? And I think my short line is that there's a, you know what, for everyone out there that wants to, you know, say AVP didn't matter, AVP sucks, blah, blah, blah. Well, all that's very true, but somebody thinks it's good. Guyler Hill, somebody, because they're still ripping off that idea, that central idea of these pyramids and the world builders and of some human creation that can read their language mysteriously. All the, all of that stuff is still in this movie. Amazing. Why? 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 Why the cave drawings? I mean, let's just get into. This. I mean, we'll get into the cave drawings right away. Why? Why? Why the cave drawings? I mean, cave did, did, yeah. did, 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 did the engineers do this? Did the, did people do this? And why freaking cave drawings? My God! But yet, how can you deduce from? How can any scientist? And that's what anthropologists are. Okay, scientists deduce from cave drawings that yes, they are similar. Okay, that we go with. But that, that's an invitation. Yes, uh, it's not yeah. an invitation. It didn't say, yeah. come to us. It's like people pointing at the circle going, circles. Yeah. It, it, could, it, could be, it could be bird shit coming down from the sky for all they know. It's like, oh, look. It's a, did you notice, by the way, how nice and fresh those cave drawings were everywhere they went? It was, it was like a, they'd been yeah. there a week. And I love I loved the one that they, uh, I think it was the one they found in France or Italy or someplace. And we discovered this. We, how, how did she say it? They discovered this that was discovered a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's just like some of the dialogue, especially in these beginning scenes, uh, is so well, clunky. And see, so that's the thing. You have this really weird setup and this really clunky dialogue juxtaposed against what may be some of the most beautiful cinematography I've ever seen put on the screen. In oh, this 3D, movie, this, this movie is freaking amazing looking. Oh, the, was, beginning, the beginning just, scene is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. Even the stuff with them and the discovering the cave drawing i mean i think that was done in iceland or greenland or something like that and it's absolutely gorgeous i mean yeah it's it, it is jaw-dropping i mean it's a great looking movie i'm gonna give it credit right away for that because this movie visually is stunning and it's i don't even even like avatar which is stunning visually i mean that you could always kind of tell it wasn't real well yeah it's, so much of it is like you know a lot of it was done practically and done with you know uh Shots actually, you know, done like I said in Iceland or whatever, and it's it's gorgeous. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's the same kind of things you saw in a film like Inception. I hate to keep bringing up Christopher Nolan when we talk about this stuff, but it's like Inception, you know, where some of that was practical, and then they would map the computer generation stuff over it. You know, unlike uh, even Avatar or like you know, we we brought up George Lucas and every Alien review, we might as well do it here too. The prequel trilogy where everything was CGI, and you could tell that like the actors didn't know what they were. Uh, looking at half the time and stuff in this one they were in real places i mean it looked grand but 
when it moves to them talking and trying to get us into this thing, I I'm scratching my head going, wait, why are we on a spaceship? How how did this all happen? And let's back up even a step. The very opening is one of the, what we come to learn as the engineers, the big, tall humanoid aliens that look like, you know, the, the body of triple H, the wrestler on someone that's nine feet tall or 10 feet tall or whatever. He, is he, committing suicide what is he drinks like a bowl of caviar and then disintegrates into the ocean i i don't know i i've seen it twice now and i still don't know what this beginning scene is and according to ridley scott in some of his interviews he doesn't even know what this scene is someone asked him is that earth he's like yeah it, it could be maybe okay, well <laughs> you brought up and, an, you brought up another thing and i'm gonna say it now I think Ridley's behind a lot of the camera movements here and all this stuff. And I think the idea of the story is somewhere in there. But I want to tell you where a lot of this is coming from. And it ain't John Spades. It's Damon Lindelof, the former showrunner from Lost, the guy who was a part of the production of the newest Star Trek. He's writing the sequel. He's written this, that, and the other. He's real hip. He's all over Twitter. I mean, he's you know supposed to be this sci-fi fanboy geek come true you know guy and i'm going to tell you i feel a lot of his fingerprints on this stuff because it's this looks cool doesn't it never mind that it doesn't make any sense i gave up on the show lost after one season because i could tell they were going places that i didn't want to hear the answers to and i knew once we got to it it was going to be incredibly disappointing and i was not wrong (laughs) in that assumption and i feel the same way here right out of the gate i'm going well, I think I'm supposed to think a lot about this, but clearly I'm not because they never bothered to explain it. They never bothered to tell us what that is. And no, I don't need everything spelled out for me, but the opening can't be completely never referenced again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to – I know you kind of brought up George Lucas before, and I'll probably get into a little bit more, but I really respect George Lucas after seeing the stuff like this. I really do. It's just – it's them throwing stuff at the screen thinking it looks cool, and it's just, it absolutely serves no purpose. It's all effect, no cause. That's exactly what most of this, what this scene is right here. It's like, hey, isn't this cool? But we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's the backstory of this. We just know what it yeah. does. And it's supposed to be like the creation of life or something like this that. Or this is it? Guy, yes. I don't know. It could yeah. be. I, I, that's the way I took it. I think they're trying to say, like, hey, this race, this guy right here came to Earth. And he drank this magical black primordial ooze or whatever it is, and he sacrificed himself to create life, almost like a Jesus type figure, I think. Well, and okay, you, you want to know why this bugs me though, Nick? Okay, because this is because it's stupid. Well, it's not only stupid. that, but but just beyond the fact that it's stupid, this is mixing two things that don't get mixed together or shouldn't be mixed together. This is someone trying to mix together. I can tell you a lot of stuff philosophy together or 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 faith. And the creation story with what we supposedly know about evolution is that, well, can it be both ways? No, it can't be both ways. If it's both ways, then it's nothing. And it doesn't exist. That I, that uh, That is ridiculous to even propose. And now they, you know, they come out and say, well, it could be another world. Who, how do we know? I'm like, yeah, that's not the kind of question you should be answering 30 seconds into the film. You do that in the middle or at the end. This is... This film thinks it's really smart, but it's really not. 
It's it's not. It thinks it is. Uh, that seems to be a problem with uh, Lindelof or however you say his name. He he really likes to think he's smart with his writing. And you know what? I probably can't write any better than him, but I can judge him. And he's just it's it's not good. It's not a good beginning. I mean, it just kind of leaves you scratching your head. And there's no reason why this shouldn't have been answered later in the movie. I mean, wouldn't it have been perfect for like kind of like an end of a second act or beginning of a third act reveal where this type of thing is retold back to you know. Shaw or Vickers or David or something kind of like you guys were created by us in this type of way in our image and stuff, even though it doesn't make any sense when you, when you put an evolution. I mean, later in the movie, when they're talking about, we share the engineer and us are like complete, like what, how do they say it? It's, um, they do their exact DNA matches. Yeah. How, that, that's impossible because we don't look anything like them. Okay. It's if we were an exact DNA match, we'd look exactly like them. We're not nine feet tall. We're all not built like, you know, a pro wrestler and stuff like that. Right. So, and it, it doesn't make any sense too when you consider the close relations with gorillas and, you know, like that people have with apes and just the whole evolutionary thing with Darwin and stuff. I mean, you can't have that be part of what the audience knows and then tell them, well, yeah, it's not, not really that. It's, it, you know what I'm saying? I don't know yeah, how to no, say No, no, it. no, no. You're, you're on the right track. Here's the thing. The movie even calls that out. Two of the scientists even say, or the biologist guy, Milburn, even says, I'm sorry, I'm just not ready to flush away everything we know about Darwinism. You know, I mean, he doesn't even believe that, that that, that can be accurate. Well, like, and, they, don't even, they don't even give you a reason why. Like, hey, you know what? That uh, we came back to Earth over, over time and we kept on creating new species and stuff. And that's the reason why humans weren't created until a million years ago because we came there and we genetically altered a, a, a gorilla even further, or a chimp even further well, to make yeah, – why, yeah. why don't I have the DNA match profile of a shark then? If they created everything, if this opening scene that we're talking about is him creating life on Earth, you know, organic life, then why doesn't everything connect? Because it doesn't. That's known. That, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. But even beyond that, now we perplex into this plot. We got to talk about getting on the ship and the team because Nick, they throw us in space fast. I mean, I really thought from the trailers and stuff, we were going to spend some time on Earth. Well, we spent a lot of time on LV-223, but we don't spend a lot of time on Earth at all. We get these people in space, and the next person we meet is David, the android. And we know he's the android because he's not in stasis, and his activities are not that of a normal person. So I got a few questions right off the bat before we talk about Michael Fassbender and, and all that stuff. Why is the android not in stasis? Ash was in stasis. Bishop was in stasis. You know, All the other androids call... All of them that we know about have been in stasis, but he's not, and he's supposed to be for all of that. How does that work? Uh, I think it's because it's probably the best part of the movie, and they wanted to keep it in. <laughs> I mean, it really is, and it kind of says a lot when the best part of the movie is uh, Android doing mundane tasks on a spaceship. Playing basketball on a 10-speed, watching Lawrence of Arabia die in his hair. <laughs> I mean, learning alien yeah, language. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense. I Maybe mean, I guess the spin is that... Maybe that the computer systems in his head or something like that, need, they can't take the up. Maybe the, this is like the first model that did that, which I think it is, and that this trip maybe causes him to go a little bit loony later, and then they need to be put in stasis for their own mental well-being. Maybe that's a spin we can put on it. Thought but I, I, I'm really adding a lot to it. There is no reason why. If this is an earlier model, this he should probably be deactivated or whatever. I mean, for this long trip, I mean, who's to say something doesn't go wrong and all of a sudden he starts, you know, pulling out wires and well, pouring chocolate milk all over all the freaking electronics <laughs> there because he 
goes a little bit loopy like ash, you know. Well, spe- speaking of technology, and I mean, you knew it was going to look. It looked. I'll say they got a lot of the look right in the ship. Now the tech on the ship is way advanced from what they had in the seventies. That's just going to happen. We got to get over that. But that, I'm I'm even fine with that. But here's- I'll, I'll spin it even further with that. That this is like the premier ship, and that the the Nostromo later is kind of like the yeah. the, tr- the trucker ship. I mean, you see it all the time with yeah. The, you know, people will be driving around brand new Mercedes and stuff like that. Then you look at a truck driver and he's driving a 1970s Sterling and stuff that's got barely has a freaking ham radio and an eight track player. Good, I can go. Point. I can go. I can go with it. Yeah, good point. That's fine to go with. Actually, that that's okay. Here's the here's the kick on the on the tech for me is that if David is if his role is to learn while he's on this trip and to keep all of them alive and stuff. Do you notice the other thing that's missing on the ship? Mother. There's no central computer on the ship. I mean, there is a central computer, but there's not one that is communicating back with the company. There's there's none of that. Now, maybe that's because, as we find out later, Wayland is on the ship, and his number one machine, David the Android, is there with him. But I did find that interesting, that this is before that happens. And he keeps calling Vickers mum and mother. And I'm like, is she supposed to be like the precursor to the mother computer, maybe? You know, because we find out she's Wayland's daughter or something, too. So I, I don't know. I, I just thought that was neat that maybe that's another reason he's awake is there's no ship computer that's watching over them. There's no HAL 2000 on there. Yeah, that, that that's great spin, too. Again, we are putting so much more into this than this movie did. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, two lines of dialogue just explaining, you know, Someone coming out of it and being like, "Oh, I thought why David wasn't in stasis with us. I thought he'd be." And they'd be like, "No, who's going to monitor our our vitals and stuff like that while we're in outer space?" I mean, a simple line like that would have just would have explained a lot of that. But again, well, it's, yeah, but we we're, got we're, a lot of we're putting guys. way more thought into this than obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, Lindelof did. So, but now let's talk about Michael Fassbender and the whole performance and stuff because of everything that is universally praised, he has received a good bit of praise for his portrayal here. And I got to say, I think it's well-deserved. I, I think the guy really does a great job with this role. Yeah. He, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, Michael Fassbender is, he's great in everything he does. I mean, he's a really a tour de force actor and uh, he, yeah, he does a great job. And I, I like the, the dying of the blonde hair and stuff. Cause you know, he's watching Lawrence of Arabia and he's trying to imitate him and stuff. And you get, you get some of the stuff uh, with the dreams and stuff, you know, him monitoring the people with the dreams, you know, other in stasis stuff, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a cool idea, idea that's dropped, you know, it would have been nice to see that brought back. But, uh, yeah, I like I like Fastbender. He does a really good job in here. And uh, besides the visuals, he's the other strong point. Yeah, yeah, by, by far. Now let's talk about the rest of the team here because we have we've met Shaw and Holloway, our two scientists. What do you make of Numi Rapace, the the Shaw character? I know her from the only other thing I would know her from. She's in the Swedish versions of the Dragon Tattoo trilogy i've I've seen the girl with the dragon tattoo i've seen that version of it and her performance in it and so i that's kind of it's hard not to see her as that <laughs> so even when she gets in some weird situations here i'm like well it's still not as bad as that other thing you did and or as weird as that other thing you did and you have her and then you have this holloway guy who i have never heard of logan marshall green have you ever heard of him before no nah, he kind of came off like the poor man's tom hardy I feel poor. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I don't know who yeah. he is. He looks more like a guy off of uh, One Tree Hill. Than yeah, I don't know not, where they got this. Yeah, he does not come off like an archaeologist. So. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
Shaw, I mean, yeah, I know her from the girl with the dragon tattoo. And I kind of kind of curious to know, like, you ever, you know, with uh, Overseas, a lot of times they kind of change around the titles of it. I wonder if they're going to change the title for this to be like the girl with the dragon womb or something like that for this release. <laughs> yeah, we can get to that, too. So, But, yeah, I don't know. What do you make of them, though, as just as characters? They're kind of flat. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I didn't really care about either one of them. I didn't even know that they were a couple until they were holding hands later in the movie. I guess we're supposed to pick on that earlier and whatever. I and still don't think they're a couple. That seems like a random hookup on the ship later. I, oh my god, they got they got no chemistry <laughs> together. And what is with her hair? I mean, I, who I, decided that that was going to be a good haircut? I, I that is this. terrible. I'll say this right now: uh, Sanaa Latham and the Predator from AVP had more chemistry than these two have. Like they have they have negative chemistry. I would never put these two people together ever for anything. They they uh, do nothing with each other. It is so forced and weird. I yeah, and she looks awful. Yeah, that is not that is not the hair of an archaeologist. She doesn't look like the role she's playing. Really really bums me out. And I think from some of the other stuff I've read is that this was supposed to be Charlize Theron's role. And I would have much rather have seen that. I don't know that she could have developed chemistry with this throwaway guy, but she would have at least looked more of the part. Yeah, I actually, I'm kind of, after I got done watching the movie, I'm kind of wondering that maybe a Vickers role and Shaw's role were at a time, one role together. Because as we'll get on in the movie, Vickers really doesn't have much to do. And I'm starting to think that maybe they made up that role for Charlie Theron because they wanted her to be in this movie, but she had a lot of scheduling conflicts and that's why she didn't do it. So, but mm. I'm kind of curious if that's the case, and maybe you know later we learn that you know Vickers and Whalen's relationship, maybe if that was Shaw's relationship and whatever, and I don't know, it could be, maybe not. But yeah, uh, that, that's an interesting thing to know. I wonder if that uh, that'll ever even come out. You know, you never know about these things, but that that's a good question because you're right. And let's talk about her now that we brought her up. Charlize Theron is Vickers. Uh, I'll say this again, man. This is two weeks in a row I've seen her try to play a villain and fail miserably at it. She is, she can do a lot of things, and I've actually seen her play, you know, bad. I, the her portrayal in Monsters, Eileen Wernus, is just—I mean, it's disturbing how but it, good she is. But that's different because I have something real to balance that against. I can go watch documentaries of her and then watch Charlize's uh, interpretation of it and go, "Oh gosh, that was amazing." Here, she's so boring and she's just a typical ceo you know businesswoman bitch and that's awful such a stereotype is she even a villain i mean i guess we're supposed to take it that she's a villain but she bailed out at the end only to get crushed which makes yeah i would i would have bailed out too to tell you the (laughs) truth but uh i mean you watch alien and ash is clearly a villain after you know his, his his reveal burke is clearly a villain and you know even like alien resurrection the one scientist guy, he's clearly a villain. I mean, they, they demonstrate early on that these guys are no good. She, she's not good. Why? I mean, okay, she's a businesswoman. She's a little bit cold and stuff like that. I know tons of women like that, but you know, uh, but she never comes really off as like a real villain villain. Like I think they wanted her to. And even, um, you know, her later in the movie, not letting the guy in and stuff like that. I mean, Ripley did the same thing in alien. Well, and, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that was an obvious callback to Alien. I mean, there's a lot of callbacks to the uh, Alien movies in this movie, but uh, yeah, I just, 
I didn't buy her as a, vil- a villain because I think they. I, it's just gonna be this is gonna be the whole theme of the movie is Ridley wants it both ways. He, I think he wanted her to be a villain, but he really didn't want her to be a villain. Just like he kind of wanted this movie to be an alien prequel, but he didn't really well, want it to be an alien prequel. Well, I think that's just kind of what it is. You can say this though too. That she had a hand in developing some of this character because, and this is something else. Lindelof not only is a writer, he's an executive producer, and he got that oh, title God. because he was on set every day. He was working with the actors. He was in the editing room. Ridley wasn't even in some of that. So, I mean, he's as much a driving force behind what happens here as anything. And Charlize Theron developed stuff for her character, like whole scenes after she was cast, working with Lindelof, working with Ridley, you know, so I think she made up some of this stuff too, and it just doesn't work. It's the wrong character in the wrong movie. She, her motivations are never clear, and when they reveal her to be Waylon's daughter, well, I'm like, well, that who cares? That like that was a surprise at that point anyway, because you saw that coming, but it was just ridiculous. I mean, it didn't. You never understand why she's doing what she's doing. At least in the bad snow white and the huntsman i know exactly why the evil queen's doing what she's doing even though it's ridiculous <laughs> do you think that maybe they kind of want her to be an android in a way that well, maybe she plays like- it like but that's another question her and idris elba have this whole thing about are you an android and she basically says i'll sleep with you to prove i'm not and i'm like but that doesn't prove anything Maybe you're anatomically correct, Barbie. I don't. Yeah, maybe she, maybe she's the pleasure model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you know the the female replicants in Blade Runner. You know where you know she's playing. She plays this like Sean Young in Blade Runner. If you've ever seen that, except she still has way more talent, so it it bleeds through. But she's very flat. I wonder if she's supposed to be an android, and they cut that somehow. Because yeah, Ridley's already said minute. there's a 30 minutes that got cut out that's going back into Blu-ray, and I'm like, dang, movie hadn't been out a week, and we're still talking about that. Man, screw Ridley and his freaking director cut crap. I'm I'm real tired of him with that. I mean, it's almost it's almost like this guy puts together a movie, and then people got to tell him it's not very good, and then he's going to add in all this other stuff, hoping to fix it. I mean, uh, I don't know if there were reshoots, but I I found her character to be really off-putting and to have no real purpose. And then here's the thing that kills me: if you want her to escape the ship to show that she's really a coward and a company you know shrill or whatever, at the end, fine. But then don't have her run over by the dead gum rolling boat. You know that made no sense. Like she had plenty of time to get out of the way of that thing. <laughs> yeah, you know she she she'd be a terrible lumberjack if she's cutting down a tree. She wouldn't step. <laughs> to the side she tried to outrun the thing (laughs) again that may also look that way because that that could have been one of the instances where maybe they didn't really know what was happening above them and couldn't fake it enough to figure it out but it's still ridiculous like i could i just didn't i didn't buy her at all and this is bad when our three our four main characters out of the four the only one i like is the android and i know he's gonna go bad because hell they all do at some point or another you know even bishop had moments where you thought he was a you know a bad guy and did stuff that didn't, you didn't really like so it's you know that's happening so that leaves the rest of this motley bunch you have idris elba the the pilot which what accent is he trying to do? <laughs> I don't, Ameri- he's not I'm out from the, the South. He did not sound like anyone I know. American. <laughs> that just, I don't even think he knows what accent he was doing. He, was, he sounded like he's kind of changing it up throughout the movie. He sounded drunk. <laughs> so, which I th- Maybe he was. I think he was part of the, as a character, but he sounded hammered. <laughs> oh my God, you know, it's... You ever been around stupid people for a while? I mean, everybody on this crew is stupid besides him, it seems like. So it's like he probably was drunk. He's probably like, my God, I'm going to die out here with these idiots. 
<laughs> you have you have his two throwaway co-pilots, and the, who cares about them? And then you have the two scientists. You have Milburn, who's the biologist, the worst biologist to ever live. I'm just gonna throw that out here. <laughs> How did they get that guy? I mean, God, I freaking no! They got him. They got him from a petting zoo, I guess. <laughs> He's terrible. And then you have Fifield, who looks like Spike Dudley. <laughs> or something. He's got this punk rocker haircut, and he's supposed to be a geologist. All right, look, I I know geologists, and, and there's some of them that are really cool, hip people. They're nothing like this dude. This dude would have been a bartender <laughs> in real life. Again, bad casting, bad casting. Yeah, it's I couldn't stand either of these guys, and uh, especially uh, Fifield or however the hell you say his name. He uh. I don't, he has so many different character traits to him and not, not like in a good way. Like this is a complex character. It's just like, Hey, one minute he's going to be a smart ass. The next minute he's going to be really smart. The next minute he's going to be really dumb. The next minute he's smoking weed. I mean, it's, and the, and the next minute he's scared out of his mind. The next minute he's, he's something attacking from, you know, some other like doom movie or something. He turns into some monster that just comes out of nowhere like that. He, he is all over the place. Yeah, he's a terrible character. I couldn't even stand looking at him. It's just like that freaking tattoo and the freaking hair and stuff. It's like, dude, you look like a freaking UFC reject, man. And then the the Milburn guy, like you talk about worst biologists, they encounter the snake creatures. And what does he decide to do? Let's touch the dangerous alien creature. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Biologists live to tell people to not touch things. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 phallic snake looking at you. But, oh, you say let's, phallic, let's, my friend. It's phallic on the outside. When it opens up, that is anything but phallic. That is most definitely. That's the most giger thing in this whole movie. Well, it, it, it is. I'll say it right now. It's a penis vagina snake. That's what it, it is. is. Oh God! I mean, it's blatant. I mean, if you thought some of that other stuff was skirting the line before, well, it's straight up now. I mean, this is right out of the girl with the dragon tattoo, sweetest version. Yeah, it's, it's it's not trying to be subtle at all. This movie doesn't know what subtlety is. You know what? We said that about Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Well, they took the same cue from the Strauss brother, the brother Strauss, because this movie has no subtlety whatsoever to it. It is in your face, and just, you have to just accept too many damn things for this to just work. And they, they show up that this whole mission is built on... Based on these drawings, I spent a trillion dollars to come out to this rock to see if I can get God to make me live longer. That's pretty well the whole setup, right? Yeah, I, for Waylon being as smart as he is, I don't know if you saw like those TED videos and the whole uh, you know marketing scheme for this movie. This guy's supposed to be a genius of geniuses. I mean, he's just you know he's the smartest man to ever live, and. Well, he builds a trillion dollar space mission around space drawings. I mean, again, what, what I mean, uh, cave drawings, I'm sorry, not space drawings, but cave drawings. I mean, cave drawings. Couldn't they come up with anything better than cave drawings? Cave, cave drawings. We're back to the cave drawings. I mean, the, the setup is weak. The, it, we're just supposed to go with all this. I mean, but the problem, Nick, is this is 30 minutes into the thing. This is, we should be getting into some exposition and we do, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's not telling me anything I don't already know just by looking at the screen. Like yeah. I don't even need the sound up to catch all of this. And this is what bugs me is that I'm starting to see how paper thin this whole thing is. And I'm just hoping, well, maybe by act two, when they get on the ground, 
and whatever happens happens, then maybe it'll it'll start to improve. Even though I know what the plot is, I'm telling myself, psyching myself up through the film, and that and I that was the first time I realized I, I'm in trouble because I'm 30 minutes into this and I'm having to talk myself into staying. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's not good. And I've only walked out of a theater twice in my entire life. Once was eight millimeter Nick Cage. I will never forgive you for that. And the other was the second Rob Zombie Halloween movie. <laughs> and, I, and I bothered to watch that again on DVD for reasons that still escape me. And I, I just I was ready to go 30 minutes into it. I was just I didn't even want to see anything. I said this this sucks already. And we get on the Degum alien planet and i see that temple and all i want to know is where is my pepsi lid and is one side cambodian it's so great that they landed right next to this temple too i mean just <laughs> how can just so happens yeah i mean the whole thing i really like about alien and aliens is you really got a really slow burn in the beginning you got a really long setup i don't think you even see an alien for the first 45 minutes of aliens and it's like, could it have hurt them just to spend a little bit more time? You know, maybe, you know, let's do this a little bit more realistically and maybe that there's a second ship with them and that one's going to be, you know, doing some type of research, you know, orbiting the planet to make sure it is a place you can land on. I mean, they don't know anything about this planet. They don't know. Well, they're, ta- kinda- they're taking all the readings, though, man. They're taking all these readings and, oh, you can't breathe it. It'll kill you. And all I mean, all this st- it's this hostile world. But still, they, they they land on this place, and how do they know it doesn't have acid rain or something like that? I exactly. Mean, it's, just, it's 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 so stupid. It is so freaking stupid. And then they add even more stupidity to it. They they land next to this temple. I mean, it's just like, boy, man, you guys they, got all the luck in the world here, man. You guys happen to land right next to the temple, right next to the last living engineer. Congratulations. Well, ha- happenstances in movies happen, but like you've said before, things happen for happenstance sometimes that just don't don't track. But the thing they though is, work. you know, it, this this is. It is a prequel to Alien. I don't care what anybody says. And you watch Alien, and there's so much logic in every little aspect of that movie of why they landed there, why did they, how did they land there, why they went there, what they did, why the, what the crew did. Even in the Aliens, you have all that. There's a little bit of happenstance in that, but everything at least makes logical sense. This movie has none of that. Everything is just stupid. The characters well, are you stupid. Want, and you want to know why that, that's missing? Because Guyler and Hill had almost nothing to do with the story here. Nothing at all. And as much as they are to blame for some of the direction this series is taking, they are right in the way that that first one was set up. They took what Dan O'Bannon and Shusett had, and they made it work more like a real movie would work. And they're they're the reason it worked out that way. Well, it's and, science fiction, and there's no science in this movie at all. And that's just driving me nuts at this point. Well, even that, it's it's the kind of science fiction that... And I think I even said this to you back on the trailers, uh, Trailer Mania session show. We were talking about, what is this movie going to be? And I threw it out there at first. I said, I'm wondering if this is going to have a lot more feel like Blade Runner than it will Alien. And it, this is when I started to realize, this movie is going to work, is going to pace itself like Blade Runner does. Which, I'm not going to lie, is a real chore to work through. In any of its nine cuts, is is not an easy film to sit and watch. It's kind of like L.A. Confidential in that way. That's a neat movie, but that's a hard movie to sit and work through. 
you know, for every time you want to try to watch it. This one feels already like that. And they're, they're just coming upon stuff because it's time in the plot for this to happen. The temple is hollow. So they have these little floating orbs that basically outline the structure of the whole thing. So they all get in there, and that's going on, and they realize, oh, wait a minute, we can breathe the air inside of here, too. Hey, you know what? Maybe just because we can, maybe we should. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just they, I guess they never uh, read War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. <laughs> oh. um, just because something's breathable, I mean, there are things as microorganisms and stuff, and, you know, considering this is an alien planet, there might be stuff you, you know, our technology can't even read. I mean... And you're gonna take off your flipping helmet for for what purpose? There's no purpose. It wasn't like, oh my god, I can't breathe right now, or my helmet's cracked, and this is my last resort. I mean, it's just like, hey, we can take it off. It's and then they do, and they all do, and that's they they're walking around and they find the body of the engineer, and his head has basically been chopped off by the closing door. We we learn. And the, and we the, we got to talk about this room and this whole bit. Okay, so they they're checking out the body on the floor as if either one of the people looking at it know what they're doing. They're conducting like CSI experiments on it, <laughs> trying to figure out how long it's been dead. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're looking at. How do you? How can you start going? Well, get the tape out and call Grissom. <laughs> I mean, this, where is this? going and what is and what's what's the point well the 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 point point is is they've been dead for so many thousand years and we get to replay the little hologram where they run through the hall and that's how we find the room which we don't know why they're running we never get that explained we're supposed to assume it i guess but we you know we don't know thank thank god they took a video of how they died for us to see in the future because that's that's convenient that it explains nothing (laughs) yeah but why why wouldn't the hologram show what's chasing them? why wouldn't the hologram show what happened afterwards or what happened before i mean it's just it's, it's and no, it's, it's what it is. It's just that little snippet still stuck in R two D two. That's what that feels like. It's just a little malfunctioning piece of equipment. It's it, like it a, feels like it feels like. Wouldn't this be cool if we had some type of hologram thing that was interacting with them right now? What That's that, all is, this. that is the freaking polar bear monster, whatever that was in the first couple seasons of Lost. That's, it's just cool. We'll just throw it in there. And then what is it? Well, it doesn't matter. You know, well, then when they try to explain it, it's really disappointing. I blame, and I don't know that he came up with it. I'm blaming it on Lindelof, though, because it feels like him. It feels like one of his touches. I, and, I, 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 I hate this guy already. And I, you know, <laughs> I probably will never meet this guy in my life, but if I ever did, I just, I think I'd have to punch him, man. I, <laughs> well, let's just, his work is bad. Well, look, they get in this whole room, right? And it's this stack of bodies and all these vases that are sweating. In opposite direction. So that's a callback to the first alien, right? With the egg sacks that we're doing that. That came. Yep, I'm, I'm getting reminded of a better movie. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm not thanking them because I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. Because now I want to go watch that. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> so, and we see the big head in the room. And I'm going, if we move that out of the way, will the big ball come after us as we go out the exit? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like an Indiana Jones tomb. Right? It really does. And. Of course, they start screwing with the vases and the black goo. Why is this? Why is this a good idea? I mean, these these are scientists, these are archaeologists and stuff like that. Why do they screw around with it? Isn't that like the first rule of being like you know, you go out to the jungle and you're monitoring you know wildcats. You don't go freaking interact with them. You stay your distance away and you take your research from a safe distance. You don't go into a uh, freaking a spaceship or a temple or something and start hitting stuff and touching stuff. I mean, it is the dumbest shit that's going on right now. I'm just going to say it. It's so, 
every moment, every minute, this movie that's every minute that's passing by, it's getting dumber and dumber and dumber. Well, it just continues to be insultingly dumb. That's the problem is that this this film is trying to pass it off as it's smart and it's got all these high pretentious, pretentious ideas. But it's executed so stupidly that it's it's like they handed that to the brother Strauss. And I mean, at least they knew their script was a piece of shit when they started that movie and they just made what they had. And, and I'll stop referring to that because that movie's terrible. But I want to say this. ADP is is this movie with less budget and half the pretension. You know, it knows what it's supposed to be. This movie thinks it's something else, but it's playing like the other thing. And that's what doesn't make any sense. And we, this black goo, this whole business of this black goo, I hate mysterious substances that just drive plots in films. Go back and listen to my review of Ghostbusters 2. You'll hear about the red slime. Any of that. Don't, kind of don't, 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 don't compare the black goo to the red slime because the red slime is Shakespearean. <laughs> well, the, look, the gold in the leprechaun movies is Shakespearean compared to the black goo. All right. I mean, it's this stuff. It looks like caviar and, you know, dr- leaked out Sharpie. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to be or what it does. And it doesn't matter. That's the point. Is it supposed to remind us of alien secretion or whatever? Because the whole point of it is what? David's going to steal a vase of it and get it back on the ship because he's, well, no, actually I bought this. I'm like, no, that's exactly what he's supposed to do because remember he's going to be a bad guy. So that guy would do something. Nobody else was watching and would start performing experiments, but they do that and they take the head back because a storm is coming. Now you've, talked about before hey they don't know what the weather on this planet is like and then it starts like raining silicone or something like shards at them like throwing glass at them and the two guys that were leading the expedition in with the orbs are the two that don't get out now how does that happen because the movie's stupid (laughs) (laughs) because it's supposed to right so yeah it's I don't know. It's like I said, the, the guy who the guy who made the map can't follow the map. I mean, it's 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 so dumb at this point. I mean, oh, I don't know. See, here's the thing. This <laughs> is the part of the movie, and there's a section of about ten minutes of it here where I totally engaged into it. I wanted to know what's in the vase. How does this work? Is this an egg? How does this, you know what is how it is all this? And I wanted to know why is David taking that back, and what are they going to do with that head once they get it? And you want to know how I felt when they revealed what the head was, you know, Shaw and the doctor are finally working on the head and they basically, the elephant shape of the head is just a mask. It's just a helmet that the humanoid is wearing. You want to know how I felt when I saw that? It was when I found out metachlorians were just something in my blood. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, when you watch alien, you really don't think that's a suit. I mean, it, it use I don't know. I mean, you watch it and you, it looks like it's kind of like biomechanical that that suit is alive and the being is the ship itself. And when I learned that, you know, this is a mask and they're actually humanoids and that guy in the beginning was actually the same guy who was on the ship on Alien. It's just kind of like, this is the best you guys can come up with. I mean, really? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. It, and that's something that should be said right now. We never get to the thing we were all waiting for. And really, the only thing I was hoping that would still happen at the end of this is that at the end of it, the a- that humanoid alien is laying in a chair and something comes out of his chest. That doesn't even happen right. You know, we're on the wrong planet for it to begin with, but 
that doesn't even happen, right? Like this is now this is where the movie decides, well, I'm going to be an alien prequel, but I'm going to take place in this parallel universe. It's the multiverse. Check it out, kids. You know, I mean, it, and that's playing both ways. And I hate that. That's just annoying. But back to the the head they they realize they can reanimate the head in some way, which I'm like, that's useful technology, I'm sure. And because, you know, if you find people who have been decapitated, they can tell you who killed them right before, you know, they totally expire or something. But they, they get it long enough to watch it explode, basically, because it's been infected with the black goo, which it does. The, uh, that's what we assume, right? Because it does the same thing that the guy in the beginnings does. That's the only callback. And that's when I said, is that the only reason we saw that in the beginning was so I'd know why this guy's head explodes? Well, that's kind of lame. We could have explained that another way, couldn't we? Yeah, I, I don't like any of the scene. I really don't have much more input. I was so checking out of this movie at this time. This is actually why I had to go see it a second time is because I was there and I'm like, man, I really wish I had alien on my phone right now so I could watch <laughs> alien in the theater. Cause Wait, we're going to talk about why I didn't see it a second time in just a little bit, but I'm glad you, had- you're not a, you're not, you're not a sucker for punishment like me. Oh, clearly I am. I watched AVPR twice. So yeah, no, no, I I'll, I'll go in deep. If I had to, you talk to the guy that watched the Blair witch two twice once with the commentary, right? So, you know, no, I've been down the, the punishment road. I'm fine with that. If I feel like I'm getting somewhere, there's the reason I didn't go back again. We'll get to now while that's happening, David is playing with the goo. Oh, that came out wrong. David is messing with his black goo. He's playing with the, he's playing with the aliens, black goo. (laughs) And he decides, you know, what would be really awesome is if I put some of this in Holloway's drink, cause he's getting real hammered right now. And I just want to see what happens to it. I guess alien roofies, man, alien roofies. (laughs) He essentially does that. The Holloway. But before that, we have to like we have to set up motivation. Holloway's talking crap to him because he's kind of done that the whole time anyway. And the the best line in the whole film is when uh, David, you know, asks him, "What did you expect to get from coming here?" And he does that whole bit about, "I wanted the answers while we were created, all that stuff." And David says, "Well, why did you create me?" And David looked at him and said, "We created you because we could." And David's response is, "I thought was great." Was well. Imagine how disappointing it would be if you were told the same thing. And I thought, you know, that's actually pretty good for an android. Most of these guys don't have any level of humor, and I, I sort of liked that. But then right after that, he puts his finger in the drink, and the dude downs it. And I'm like, did you not just see him do that, bro? I mean, I would, I'd be like, no, pour me another one, home, because that ain't gonna happen. You don't have to kill the fizz on my champagne. I mean, they could they could have done it so much better. Like he could have been drinking like you know scotch on the rocks, and like David makes him another one and uses his finger to mix it together or something. You know, kind of mix the ice in a little bit. It was just <laughs> I don't know. It's just whole, another stupid is, scene. We know now something's going to happen to Holloway, right? If we didn't already know before that he was a red shirt, we we knew he was he's going to buy it now. But before that, he's got to go hook up with Doctor Shaw. Now, the first thing he does is insult her <laughs> indirectly by making a crack about if you can't create anything, you're worthless. And she's sterile. And I'm not going to make light of that situation. That's a very serious thing. And, I, you know, I understand that. But the way they play it here is incredibly offensive. If it was a series about APR to, to impregnate women with the predator alien offspring, this is just as offensive to play that just to make me go, oh, I feel sorry for her before she jumps on the guy. Well, it's so telegraphed. It's like, it's so telegraphed at this point with her doing that. I mean, 
come on, we're, we all know what kind of movie this is, you know, based around. It's based around a movie about rape, sex, sexual imagery, and birth. And it's like, hey, I can't have kids. Well, I wonder what's going to happen to her. You yeah, know? Exactly. They, they play that so obvious. And it's, it was one of the things going in that I dreaded happening because I knew that plot point and I thought, oh, this is going to be ridiculous. And we wake up the next day and they go back out to the structure. And of course, something's wrong with Holloway. You can tell he's got stuff growing out of his eyes. And what it was that, by the way, what was that? That was weird. And it's cool, man. It looks cool. Let's do it. Well, Let's you know like- what? That's the excuse they made for that second Transformers movie, too. So <laughs> I'm just going to say Mudflap and Skids were a part of that, too. Hey, hey, hey. Transformers knew what it was. This movie doesn't know what it is. I'll give Transformers all the credit in the world over Prometheus because, you know, Prome- Transformers know it's dumb special effects spectacle. And it just it 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 rolls around in joy in what it is. And this movie, it's like, yeah, we're really, really smart. And then you figure, you know, then he's getting on the short bus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But that, the whole point of going back to the structure is so they can find the two dudes that were left the night before that have been killed by the snake thing. Now, here's my question. Was the snake there to begin with, or did the snake grow out of the worms that were hanging around the black goo? I think it grew out of the worms that were by the black goo. Well, then how does it develop those weird tendencies? Because those worms look like normal worms. They look like they had the vaginal teeth thing going on. Because it looks cool? No, it doesn't. It looks like... I, 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 I'm not saying it does. I'm talking as Lindelof right now. <laughs> he went up to the one of the biggest hacks in Hollywood who would happen to be... Um, God, what's his name? Neville Page, the guy who does fantastic uh, creature design, like the creature from Super 8 and Cloverfield. And yeah, that's the guy we got to replace Geiger. Congratulations, Ridley. You're an idiot. But yeah, he came up with that probably with uh, Lindelof. And hey, man, it looks cool, man. It's a vagina penis snake. Well, why, did we, why is Geiger not present in this? That doesn't make like you that one mural on the wall that looks like the alien head, and then the other one that I don't know it was like changing all the time or whatever, which did feel a lot like AVPs changing pyramid walls. Again, why did Geiger get thrown away in all this? That didn't make again. Did he tick somebody off again? <laughs> I just think he's just getting old, and Geiger isn't Geiger of the old. He's not the old Geiger. But there's you know? plenty of his stuff. That's the thing. It's not like the dude is Andy Warhol, and there's only so many of them. I mean, there's, there's. Oh, I would if Andy. If we got some Andy Warhol designs for this movie, this movie would have kicked ass. I, if David was a tomato can, I'd be all over it. But <laughs> you, you know, he might as well have been. <laughs> Hell, if those if those canisters were tomato cans, this movie would have been so much. <laughs> that would have been that would have been awesome. But <laughs> but of course, that's not it. So we're we're back in the structure. We find the two dead guys, and you know that's when Shaw. Magically realizes, uh oh, this is all going to go bad. We we got to go. Well, and here's here's the question. Even before that, why the hell would you pet a snake? I mean, what this guy's a biologist, okay? He under supposed to be understanding of you know animals and life and you know animals tendencies and stuff. And there's this like vagina penis snake, and he's scared out of his mind about thirty seconds ago, and all suddenly he's like, I'm gonna pet it. You know what? I don't. I wouldn't pet a, a a stray dog. I wouldn't pet a stray cat. Why would you pet a stray freaking vagina snake, vagina penis snake? Well, and the thing attacks him. The way it attacks, you know what it reminded me of? Those horrible effects of those snake weasel things from Dreamcatcher. If you ever saw that Stephen King adaptation, that's exactly yeah. what the thing looked like. It's like this little. 
I don't know, Wolverine slug thing, but it, it attacks him. And of course it, he cuts it in half and it starts spraying acid for blood, which is supposed to be another reminder of a better movie. And that melts Fifield's mask and he falls face first into the black goo, you know? So we don't even know what happened to him because he's nowhere to be seen when they're back on that structure. They just see what's left of, uh, Milburn. And then they start hightailing it out of there and they know Holloway's sick and they got to get him back in the ship and there's all that going down. And she shows back up. They show back up and Holloway at that point realizes he's going to die. So Vickers won't let him back on and she's got a flamethrower. Now, I don't know about you, Mick, where you work, but I can't imagine like the CEO or the president of this university walking around with a flamethrower. I just that's not a role he would play. You have, I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to go to your university, then, man. Yeah, you you have people for that. Why does she have to take matters in her own hands? Is that to give her something to do? Because that's the only reason. I just think they're doing a callback to Ripley right now. It's supposed to be like you know Ripley had a flamethrower and alien had the flamethrower and aliens. Because that's, that's that's all it is. That's the problem. Shaw's supposed to be Ripley, I thought. Well, the, the Ridley and Lindelof don't know that. They, they think, you know, hey, guess what? We're going to take Ripley and make her into two characters. You got the, the good Ripley and the bad Ripley. And, yeah, this one's going to have a flamethrower, and she's going to run out there, and she's going to kill Halloway. And, yeah, she's just she badass and stuff. And it's, it's, it's again, well, more stupidity. It's, well, she doesn't kill him. He, he asked for it. I mean, he's like, please, please. Well, she stole, she, well, even though he asked for it, she still killed him. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, him. he doesn't, like, he's begging for it because he doesn't even want to know what he's becoming and so we we kill him off and and neither does the audience we don't want to know what he's becoming either <laughs> yeah and shaw in the shock of all of it passes out i think they give her something too but when she wakes up the most obvious thing ever happens is that she's pregnant and it's not human <laughs> so automatically we know what's happening right now let's talk about this whole abortion, C-section, whatever you want to call it. They set up this thing early on that there's this medical pod in Vickers' stateroom, which is also a, an escape hatch or something like that, and that it's only configured to work on men, which I think is supposed to be the clue that the old man Waylon is still on the ship somewhere, right? But the thing, it's like, it's like one of those beds you lay down in, in the mall for 20 bucks and it does the water massage to you. <laughs> That's what, it, or a tanning booth or something. This yeah. is your portable surgery unit. That would have been useful when Kane was around, don't you think? Or maybe they had it that we've seen it. Is that it? Cause this doesn't look I like don't know. tech from the other aliens. Because the other aliens movies are stupid enough to have something like this in it. I mean, and it's only it's only uh, made for a man. It's what? I mean, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so, so, so she has to reconfigure it by hand, essentially, while drugging herself with morphine. Hey, if you've ever had a shot of morphine, you can't cross your fingers, much less program a surgery machine. Yeah, I can't even program my DVR half the time, let alone change a surgery how, machine. How would she know how to do that, too? She digs in the ground and discovers relics for a reason you don't get to do that nick without a lot of education and a lot of experience in writing those kind of reports writing books about it that no one reads and stuff like that you don't know how to work this kind of technology at all this is dumb i'm gonna tell you i know why they've got to do it because we've got to get the thing out of her and for once 
somebody begging for them to get it out of them, we're going to get it out of them and they're going to survive you know, temporarily, I guess, or whatever. This would have worked much better if Vickers had found her and would have been working it and helping her do it. Now, it's still dumb, but at least it would have. Or if David was doing it. Yeah, why wouldn't David just help her do it? Why would he want it to come back? He doesn't. He he doesn't know. Now, that's the other thing. In the other ones, there was always that underlying conspiracy theory. What does the company know? Well, David doesn't know Jack, and neither does Waylon. They're learning as they go, too. So there's no reason that he wouldn't have helped her do this. Well, he, but, know, he knows that she's pregnant at this point with it. Yeah, he's the one that tells her. Yeah, and he wants to, isn't it that he wants to put her in stasis, right? Right, because he know. But you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it, it makes sense. But where I'm going is after she uh, has the uh, 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 abortion section, I'm going to call it an abort section, um, David doesn't give a shit anymore, does he? He doesn't no. care about the thing. No, he doesn't even go to try to figure No one cares about her. She just gave birth to an alien thing, something the likes of none of us has ever seen, and no one on this crew cares at, at all. Oh, and that's because the half of the crew is dead, and the other half is attending to the old man. But we, let's back up for a second. got to talk about the abort section. That's a good word for it. The abort the, section. The only part of the film that is horrific and is supposed to be physically disturbing and i want to tell you it is physically disturbing to watch someone give themselves this procedure this c-section cut it out of me thing it is now for any anybody who knows anything about a c-section though is knows that usually the mother is drugged up heavily i mean she's not put out normally but they're normally heavily sedated and then what do they do during the c-section they put a drape, they put like kind of a drape thing between her upper torso and her lower torso, torso, so she can't see it. Now, this machine that's going to be giving her an abort section, why wouldn't it just knock her out? I mean, why wouldn't it give her drugs to be uh, completely knocked out? It makes absolutely no sense that she's going to be sitting there kicking her legs and screaming as this thing's working on her. It's here's, like here's why because it's it's con- it's configured for a man, so she's having to manually override it every step of the way, and her manual overrides lead it to cut her open with a laser, right? Then to put the like claw machine from the local pizza parlor that you use to try to win an iPhone or some you know plush thing for your kid down in her and pull out the squid monster from the first men in black film that will smith helps give birth to that's exactly what i thought of when i saw this this thing is ridiculous looking and then she rips its umbilical cord out of her and then it staples her up and which was another thing we're going to talk about in a second but first the monster what is it trying to do to her is it trying to face hug with her is that what this thing is supposed to be the original face hugger I think so. I think it's trying to <laughs> her baby's trying to rape her. Isn't that it's horrible? So God, that is messed up. Oh, but and, but but it, but it just goes to the fact again. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't See, make no, any sense at all because it doesn't put up a good fight. It, that little clamp is holding it. Hey, I don't know if you played the clamp game lately, Nick, but it don't hold on to stuff real good. And it's no, not like it, it dug into it. It didn't stab it. It's just holding it. And she gets out, and I've had abdominal surgery, not nearly to the extent she's had, but I, I had two staples, and I couldn't move for a week, much less run at full speed down a corridor, doubled over or not. This is the movie's dumbest, dumbest thing. Yeah, I had my appendix out. I had it done like the old-fashioned way with the the f- like three-and-a-half-inch incision on my right part of my abdomen, and 
I couldn't walk for two days after that. I mean, I had had, I had to have help to go to the bathroom, and it's like, wow, she's pretty tough. And it still uses staples, man. It's almost the year yeah. 2100, and they're using staples. You think they have some type of like laser? Hey, cut type? her open with a laser. It can't put her back together with what? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think at this point we'd be able to forgive it if it did that, if it like held her down and used that as some type of like, you know, cauterized her or something like that with a laser. Just freaking use a staple gun like Tim Allen on home but, improvement. But even, but even the problem, the problem is though, and here's the thing with abdominal surgery: the reason it hurts is not that they cut your skin open; it's that they cut through your muscle, and no matter how little or much you've got, and you don't realize how much you use that for for balance, Everything. just breathing and so moving far. around until you get it messed up. And then yeah. you are in pain. And, and I know she's in pain the whole movie. She's pumping herself full of drugs. She's running bent over. But she's still moving at a rate that is impossible for me. No, to she, would, she would be on the ground. Cause she couldn't even get herself in the fetal position with that type of wound. No, She'd I, be on the ground just screaming, screaming, her, screaming. Her adrenal gland would knock her out. Is well, if she was pumping herself a little morphine and it was pumping adrenaline into her, it would knock her cold. Yeah, that's because that's true, what the yeah. body does when it's trying to heal. It just knocks you out. And then she would have been on the ground. And I would have been okay at this point. I'm just going to say it. I'd have been fine if this killed her. If she killed it, it you know, that whole bit about they killed him taking it off, I'd have been fine if this killed Shaw ripping it out of her. That she well, why couldn't herself. have pulled an alien at this point? I mean, we kind of all figured out that Shaw's the main character. Just like we all kind of thought Dallas was the main character of Alien. If they just killed her off, I mean, that would have actually been something. It's like, holy shit, they just killed off the main character. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Who's now going to be the main character? No, it could be Vickers. Maybe Janik steps up and becomes the new. Or, or maybe it's up. David. Maybe it's the freaking android. I would have even gone with that. That would have been cool. But no, the whole point is to get to the guy behind the scenes. Guy Pierce in the worst old man makeup I've seen since. Uh, Dan Aykroyd tried some on it. When Why not oh, cast an old guy in this role? <sighs> because Why not? to use Guy Pierce because he's cool and he's got this whole accent thing going. He's the cool Australian. Just cast John Hurt. That's what they were going for. Just that, cast John Hurt. Hey, it's not like he ain't got something. You know, he's not you know doing too much. I mean, you could get him. You know, you could get somebody to play this. Or better yet, better yet. Why isn't this Lance Hendrickson, who looks old as hell anyway nowadays, why not? We've already done that with Alien 3. Why wasn't this him? I wouldn't want it to be him. I just, no more Lance Hendrickson. No, 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 no. This it, this movie is so trying to not be on the nose. This would have been one time I would have given it if they'd have done that. I'd be like, well, to oh. tell you the truth, it's so bad, you might as well just have him in there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, it's you might as well go com- for complete schlock and just, he should have just looked at, it should have been Lance Hendrickson waking up, looks in the audience and goes, gotcha. You thought this was going to be a cl- good movie, didn't you? But the whole, the whole point is that Waylon is still alive. And Waylon wants to go back to the ship because David has found there's one living engineer who's in stasis. So he, you know, they too have to travel in stasis. And by watching this grand looking pictogram, which is an amazing visual effect, by the way, in 3D, that looked awesome. I don't know what it looked like in 2D, but in 3D, it looked great. And then that he has figured out that they created Earth and that they created this substance to come destroy all of us. Now, I, how he got to that leap, I'll never know, but he's figured that out. 
there's a lot of leaps in this movie. But even before that, though, I got to ask you, why was Wayland even hiding on this ship? For what purpose? Why was he trying to be the guy from Lost in Space? You know? Yeah, why didn't the old man just walk out and go, hello, everybody, you're probably surprised to see me. Well, I'm here because I paid for all this shit. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you can get out of my spaceship. I mean, exactly. yeah, he paid for it. And what's the point of him faking his death? Better yet, if they're going to have him do that, it should have just been Clint Eastwood. Get off my spaceship lawn. I mean, that's, that's what he played anyway. Yeah. And what about the suit they hook him up in? It's like Forrest Gump's leg braces. And they're going to have him there. That's how he's able to walk down the hall. Actually, no, I take it back. Not Forrest Gump. You know what this is? This is the stand-in for Crispin Glover in Back to the Future 2. That was supposed to be playing him when he's upside down. You know, that's exactly what this looked like. I was just hoping he'd fall over the whole time and go, I broke my hip. <laughs> well, he falls and can't get up later, but that that's coming. They get back to the, the bit, but before that, Vickers comes to confront him, and immediately you know, you're like, oh, this is your daughter. Oh, you're such a dork, your own daughter. You, this is the whole bit. You, you love the android more than your daughter, and that's the whole scene here, which brings another question. How the heck do we ever get to Charles Bishop Wayland if his only kid gets crushed on a foreign rock. Oh, no, but AVP would be before this movie. Yeah, I know, but then who is... Uh, how does... Uh, this is so many problems. No, AVP's not supposed to exist anymore. This is taking its place. So Yeah, but uh, this movie actually... I mean, you can sit there and say that. No, but this, it can't. This, the, the Xenomorph doesn't exist in the form it is in AVP and AVPR if this don't know is that. correct. We, we don't know that, though. It well, could. They don't, they don't ever clearly state that, and this movie actually kind of tiptoes around the whole AVP issue. I mean, Charles Bishop Whalen could be Peter Whalen's father, for all we know. But didn't Lance Hendrickson get brought in for something at the last minute? What was it? Because he, he's not in- he said something on Twitter, but he's he also thinks so. – what was that TV show that he was in, uh, Millennium? He's also on there thinking everybody wants a Millennium movie, so the guy, he's off his rocker at this point. Okay, he well, okay then I'm, I'm glad to know that was – just him talking and they didn't try to shoehorn something. <laughs> his, his agent just told him to go back and eat some more applesauce. <laughs> I guess so. Where's my Jello? Speaking of Jello, they walk this guy onto this foreign alien craft to go meet his maker, if you will. And I love how the whole bit is tell him why we're here, David. David speaks the alien's language to it, and the alien's reaction is to do what? Break his neck. And hit, and kill everybody with his head. He kills the doctor. He kills everybody with him, and he kills Wayland with David's android head. Do we mention the flute? Oh no, we haven't talked about the flute. The Willy Wonka way of starting the ship's computer. <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? Yeah, the uh, that is the, the. I don't. This this is just like. So I'm going to make an alien prequel and. The, the space jockeys, they use flutes. <laughs> because that makes all as much sense as anything else has made in this it's, film. It's, it's what Camilio del Toro, I don't know if you ever saw Pan's Labyrinth, he calls it fairy tale logic. That it's just like, 
yeah, if you feed the uh, you feed the frog three stones, it gives you a key. It doesn't really have to make any sense because it's fantasy logic. That's what this movie is. It's a fantasy movie. It's it's trying to act like it's science fiction. And no, it's, I get it's that. Just stupid fantasy. No, I get that. But you can't have it both ways. There's so much else of this movie that's supposed to work realistically. But that's what this whole movie wants. It wants it both ways. It wants to be an alien prequel, and it doesn't want to be an alien prequel. You know, it, it wants to explain the where xenomorphs come, but it doesn't want to explain where the xenomorphs come. You know, it's. It, the whole movie is like that. It's just well, re, re, that's why I'm going to say right now. I give George Lucas a hell of a lot more credit than I do Ridley Scott because even though the Star Wars prequels were all intensive purposes pieces of crap, he at least made a prequel and was sticking by it and did it his way and was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change around stuff that you you know change around mythos and add stuff that's going to change your perception of the original movies. And you know what, I give him credit for at least doing that, for at least having the balls. To do it. And Ridley Scott here, it's just like, yeah, well, it's kind of like this, but it's not. It's kind of like this, but it's not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's what this whole movie is. Yeah. I get the feeling Ridley wanted to make a weird movie about creation and where we came from, and nobody would give him any money, so he said, well, I'll tie it to Alien. And then he hired one of the guys from Lost to write it, and the thing that that guy knows so, how to do is stretch things out until we'll tell you that one next week. And they never do. And if they ever did, it's it's always something ridiculous. So yeah, that that's what this feels like to me. But he must have never lost watch. He must have, uh, <laughs> came out wrong. Came out wrong. He must have never watched Lost. Then if he wanted this guy to write it, <laughs> I don't know that Ridley's watched much. But the end of his cigars burn in the last few years, and his money just triple or whatever. Because if you, you've seen a lot of what he's done lately. It's been a while since Ridley's had a hit. But as far as I'm concerned, the last good movie he made was Alien. <laughs> that may be the truth by the end of all of this but the engineer basically takes over and he's going to take off and knowing this that if they get back to earth there won't be any earth to go back to and what the worst piece of dialogue coaching numi repays got because she does not sound like herself when she's delivering that line to janic she convinces him to crash the prometheus into the escaping alien caressant croissant shit well, but i would say this is, this is the one of the things that i hate about trailers sometimes is that when they give away too much every good action moment in this film except for the abort section is given away in the trailer and when i saw this in one of the trailers the one i saw before avengers i think it was this really ticked me off that i was like ah, i knew that going in that really makes this lame yeah but i gotta ask you though what was the space jockey's plan was he just gonna he's gonna go to earth and drop this black goo off on the earth well i don't know was that his plan we only know that's his plan because somebody posits that that's what he's going to do maybe he's going back to his home world maybe he's dropping at the 7-eleven i don't know maybe he's going to gunnins in colorado and looking for pregnant women but this whole this whole movie does that though i mean janik knew this was a military base and good thing that these uh aliens you know left us clues to come to their military base whatever how did he figure that out too that's because he he, he read this he read the script that's why (laughs) even even this part right here they're going to go back and destroy earth how are they going to destroy earth with this black goo okay yeah that five field guy was covered in it and stuff like that and he we killed him they killed him pretty easily and stuff like that i mean he killed out a couple guys but we killed him okay are we gonna inject all the males with uh, these is somehow going to get on some males. That, and now that males are you, gonna, know, you know what else this is ripping off? It's, it's, a, it's a stupid. Pl- it's a stupid plan. No, this, no, this is ripping off Resident Evil now. <laughs> oh, this, this this movie wishes it was Resident Evil. I mean, at least Resident Evil Umbre- Umbrella. I mean, the space jockeys ain't got shit on Umbrella. Okay, <laughs> I 
I mean, Wayland Utani is no umbrella, you're saying. <laughs> well, it's again, I just don't get what their plan is. That they're gonna okay, let's just say that they're right and they're gonna wipe out Earth. That's a pretty shitty way of doing it. I mean, we have nuclear weapons on here. We can blow ourselves up in a matter of 90 seconds. And his plan is to drop black goo that's going to do... We don't even really know what. Well, that's, that's the thing. Is the whole bit has always been, we can't let it get back to Earth. And they're trying to play that beat again, and it's but it's not working here. Because we're like, well, what's going to happen if he gets back to Earth? We don't see, know. Uh, at least with like an alien or a xenomorph, if you want to call it that, is like, okay, you can see it. If, if somehow the spaceship had these eggs on it and was able to get into a remote area of Earth and drop these off and implant people, and they were given birth to it, and they just multiply like locusts and would take over. It's like... You can see how that could probably work pretty well, but the black goo—that that is a really stupid idea. It's—I can't even see it working. And yeah, it's like, that, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have any real. There's no real plan. Like we don't see that plan. If somewhere in all that hologram that David was watching, we saw like their tactical plan of how they were going to drop this and it was going to infect and we were going to see all that, I could have at least gone with it. It's dumb, but at least we'd have known. But this movie is trying to be highfalutin science fiction, Nick. It doesn't have to explain itself. It's, it's just there. And that's only good if you're dropping acid. Because that's not going to do any good when you're trying to watch a movie in the 21st century. And this is the ridiculous part. But, of course, that's all thwarted because the Prometheus crashes into the ship. Which I love how the Prometheus is completely, like, turned into molecules as it explodes but the entire derelict ship is intact it's just crashing now and rolling down the hill it just it falls down and lands perfectly on its edge that's gonna just roll like a donut and thank god we get that whole nice scene of vickers trying to preserve her life and trying to get out of the ship she gets into her escape shuttle only to be Crushed by the giant croissant. Yeah, she gets out of her. She gets out of her secure, secure space shuttle, only to start running from the ship, <laughs> so that it can roll over her like a donut. And here's the thing: I thought they're screwing with us. We didn't see her die, so she's gonna come back at the end, and it's gonna be all messed up or whatever. But nope, eh, she pretty much just you know crushed into space dust. While like I said, why couldn't she? Uh pull a Han Solo and uh, veer lazily to the left. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I said, there's, there's a tree falling. You don't try to outrun the tree. You step to the side. Exactly. You know, but she doesn't figure that out. So she dies and Numi Rapace lives only to have three minutes of oxygen left, which is just enough time for her to get back on board the uh, escape pod and David to contact her to let her know in his disembodied head, because just like all of his, um, uh, forecomers, he also can still work after he's been torn apart to tell her he's coming after you. And why is the engineer coming after her? Why isn't he just getting on another ship? Because David's laying that whole bit about there's many other ships. This is You just stopped one. They're going to do this some way else. We've got to stop them all. We've got to stop him. And why is he going after her and not going to one of those other ships? Because the movie's stupid. <sighs> well, no. it's So we can get at the end and where. This is the the weird bit where the newborn beast, which uh, somehow or another uh, uh, Shaw is able to convince to attack him and not her. I guess just by opening the door with him in front of it, he's the nearest thing. And the new squid face hugger giant thing mouth rapes him and knocks him on the ground. And when it curled over him like a big face hugger, I thought, man, screw you. This is just that just ticked me off. 
Yeah, it's it's stupid. I mean, they obviously wanted at the end to be like another, you know, like Ripley against the alien, and here she is, you know, versus the space jockey, and oh my god, the alien thing is going to help her and kill the uh, the space jockey, and then she's going to get onto an alien ship for whatever reason and take off oh, and that. I mean, not for whatever reason she tells us, it's just a dumb reason. It's like, no, I want to go where they're from, David. I want to ask them why they decided to kill us after they made us. Well, clearly they don't want you to know that answer, lady. Because so, when he asked him a question, he got his head ripped off. So I don't think approaching these folks is the way to go. But, yeah, it's again. Why is she gonna get it? She gets in that ship. Did she bring supplies with her? Because she's grabbing like little bottles of something. So yeah, so it's gonna last her like two weeks. Okay. I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> because you know the space jockey ship is gonna be a spaceship that's going to support human life. I mean, I guess it's going to have she can food. operate the magical surgery machine. She can operate David who can operate the ship. I mean, well, she I, better bring like some penicillin with her or something because that, that, that wound did not look properly taken care of. And <laughs> if she gets a nasty infection, she's done with, but then who knows the space jockeys probably have, you know, Base penicillin. That maybe she just rubbed some black goo on it, and it'll all be okay. But it, it, it's just, it's so reminded me of like Kill Bill at the end, you know, which is which is a great movie. You know, Kill Bill at the end of the first one, she's getting in the car and she's gonna go find Bill and to kill Bill, but Shaw's gonna get in the spaceship and go ask him questions. They just tried to kill you, lady. Why are you? What do you, what do you think they're gonna do? As soon as you get out of that ship, they're gonna freaking kill you right there. They ain't gonna answer your questions. They're gonna be like, "Oh my god, this little human got in one of our ships and came all the way over to us." I'm sorry, but you know what? If if a freaking uh, uh terrorist from the Middle East jumped into one of our airplanes and flew it over the United States to ask us why we were fighting, we'd blow them out of the sky the first chance we get. I mean, Ridiculously now, yeah, you're right. That's the whole point, and that's the thing that gets me, Nick, is that they're setting up this ending to give us this. Here's our out for the sequel. You know, David and the further adventures of David and Shaw. And I'm like, these are not people who have any chemistry either. I don't know why I want to see them do anything. This is ridiculous. And only to be topped by the ending where the engineer's new facehugger friend has crawled off of him. And what bursts from his chest, but the beginnings of a xenomorph or maybe not. It's got human teeth and like a shark and it's pink and weird. It's stupid. <laughs> I've been what is, what is that though? I mean, I, okay. So let me get this chain right. Okay. I just got to make sure I understand this. Black goo goes into human dude who gets it on with human lady who can't have children, who then becomes impregnated with squid, who then extracts squid, then squid attaches and makes it with engineer alien and engineer alien gives birth to more skin tone xenomorph. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, in space jockey world, one plus one equals two, but two minus one equals 33. <laughs> it, it does. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's just, you know, somehow a human DNA mixing with this stuff, then mixing with more human DNA equals squid who mixes with space jockey DNA and equals now acid blooded, elongated head that looks like a black penis with two mouths creature. It's, it doesn't make, and it's, it's, but it's not even really an alien. I mean, it is, I mean, it's got the elongated head, but it's more triangular and it's got like the shark type thing with the way it comes out. It almost looks like a goblin shark. And I don't know. It's, 
they put a burst out of the chest. So I don't know. I mean, we see the mural on the wall, which is obviously an alien. And then there's even, if you go online, you can actually find better pictures of that. And there's face huggers on the bottom attached to actual people's faces. I mean, this, that's okay. the actual mural. So to me, it's like, okay, maybe the aliens already existed. Maybe the aliens are what killed the space jockeys in the beginning there. Because wasn't there some that had like a chest hole and stuff too? Yeah, there were, there were all kinds of you know ways they had been killed. So you wonder if this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah, that's but what I'm this, saying. That they they did they don't really say it like this is the first xenomorph. They're hinting that these things are around, or maybe they've been around for more long time. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't negate AVP, and you know the movie doesn't deserve to negate AVP. It's in the same category as AVP. It's just being a stupid movie. But it's. Again, it's just like, again, at the end, it's like, yeah, it kind of is an alien, but it isn't. It goes into the whole thing again of it is, but it isn't. And that's what Ridley Scott wants. And this movie is all stupid. I mean, well, well, Nick, I think we're at the point where it's time to give the popcorn ratings and the final thoughts for Prometheus. So what are yours for the film, my friend? Oh, I think it's visually stunning. It's it's great to look at, but. It's just a really dumb movie. I mean, I don't. I think I've been pretty clear this whole time. The movie is completely stupid. And I just actually, just before getting on with you to record this, I just read an interview with Ridley Scott about his original intentions of this movie, which even sound worse than what this movie turned out to be, was that the engineers, the reason that they wanted to kill us in the begin, beginning, they, oh, I'm sorry, scrap that part. The whole reason why the engineers wanted to come and to kill us was because they sent down a representative 2,000 years ago, his name was Jesus Christ. And uh. that we killed him, and that is the reason why they're mad and they want to kill us because we killed their representative who was Jesus Christ. I don't know. Maybe that would have been better. I don't know. But either way, it's like, you know, we're, we're yelling about Lindelof and stuff like that, but Ridley's half to blame. Yeah. He's, he's not a new director. This isn't like David Fincher doing Alien 3 and Fox was meddling. Ridley had complete control. Hell, this movie was rated R. A summer release that was rated R, that's unheard of most of the time. Most, if it's going to be a rated R movie, that's safe till the fall. But no, he got a big summer blockbuster with a big budget to be released with an R rating. He had control. He knew what he was doing. And I'm sorry, but Ridley is, he just needs to give it up. He hasn't made a good movie in a long time, in my opinion. And this movie is, Probably his worst movie since G.I. Jane. You know, actually, you know what? This is his worst movie. It is bad. This movie is completely bad. I have to give it a small popcorn. And in my opinion, this is right at the bottom with AVPR. I think AVP is actually a better movie. And I will actually redo my rating for AVP due to this movie and give that one a medium popcorn. You know what? Here's, here's my entire review of this film in one sentence. If AVP had twice the budget and its head twice as far of its own ass, you'd have Prometheus. Because that's exactly what this movie is. And I'm being exactly that blunt about it. <laughs> this movie thinks it's got all these highfalutin ideas about creation and evolution and a meeting our maker and all this, but it's put on a palette that is dumber than either the AVP, the AVPR movies. You said a minute ago, hey, Transformers knew what it was. Well, hey, AVP knew exactly what it was. Paul W. Sanderson was making a video game out of a movie, and he did a fine job of it. You know, the, the thing that ticks me off about this, Nick, is that I'd almost rather movies fail just completely so you can just wash your mind of them or maybe have fun watching them. 
You know, they're, they're so bad, they're good. There's a lot of those out there in the world. But movies that are just plain mediocre, that have so much potential, but just screw it up at every turn, those are so frustrating to me. And that's this movie. This movie is medium popcorn by definition because the visuals are amazing. This is a beautiful film. But the dialogue is horrible. The story is weak. And the resolves and everything they do here are just dumb. And I cannot agree with you more that this is the bottom of the barrel. This is right there with AVPR, as far as I'm concerned, in the lexicon of alien films. And so I'm going to give it a medium popcorn only because I feel like it's it's what I call medium popcorn. It's perfect mediocrity on display. But it by no means should be given a pass or seen. I, I said a minute ago, I'm going to tell you why I didn't go see this twice. I couldn't bear the thought of sitting through it again and trying to watch it for a review. I may give it another run when it's on DVD, maybe, but I'm going to have to think long and hard before I go back to this one. And I, unlike alien three, that was pretty well chided by everyone when it came out and then has gained a following as it's grown through the years. And as we've seen more what the director's cut was going to be and stuff, this film, I don't think, is going to have that treatment. In 10 years, I don't see anybody looking back on this going, yeah, you know what, that that abortion section was actually a great idea. I don't see anybody wanting to rip that off. I, I really it's don't. A, it's a future uh, seen-it movie question. That's the legacy of this movie. Yeah, this is this is where it all ended. And I want to tell you now, they're talking about sequel and all this stuff. I think they do that stuff. I I don't buy for a minute that anybody's going to fire money behind more of this. I I would believe that somewhere there may be another alien film someday, but I don't think Ridley Scott's going to have anything to do with it. And I wonder if Fox will even, if they'll even bother with it or if they will sell the rights off and just let somebody else do it at this point. I mean, when Guyler and Hill are dead, that probably is when it will happen because I don't think there's anything left to mine in this universe. If you're not going to do the prequel the right way and this is not doing it the right way, then there's no story left to tell. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear more about Ripley. I'm done with her. I don't I don't need that. So I wanted to know who, how we got the dude in the chair with the chestburster and how all those alien eggs got on LV-426. We don't get anywhere near that. To come up with the answer for that is taking leaps and bounds beyond what this movie offers us. And I'm sorry, this movie doesn't earn enough for me for me to give it that amount of time and thought. We spent an hour and a half talking about it here, and it's the... It, it was way more enjoyable than watching the film. I'll tell you. So the only thing I can say for it is at least it wasn't three hours long. <laughs> at least it was two hours long and it, it was fairly over with at some point until the director's cut. That is <laughs> yeah, the director's cut that I will never see. I'm just going to say it now. If I watch it again, I'll watch the theatrical because there's, there's no way I would want to sit through that. The only reason I ever watched Halloween two again was because I wanted to see the director's cut. And while it's better than the other one, it's still horrible. But I, yeah, I will, I have, there's no, there's no way to fix this in 30 minutes of lost footage. Then, no, you got to redo three fourths of this. And there's just that, that, that ain't going to happen. You're still going to, you're still going to have characters doing stupid stuff. No yeah, that's, what that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the fourth you don't redo is the visual. Everything else you redo. <laughs> so now, now, Nick, one last thing you told me in a text message to remind you when we were recording this, that you had a rewrite for this movie. So if you could fix it, and we spent a good amount of time tearing it apart here, you get a chance to fix this. How would you do it? Well, for me, I like the idea of us going out and seeking our creator or seeking out a signal 
that we're receiving now. If you know a lot about like with NASA and stuff, we send a lot of signals out into outer space. And I was thinking, you know, let's say it's the year, you know, 2050 and Utani Corp, not Whalen, but Utani Corp is like the main corporation, the main, you know, spaceship building, ex space exploration. Cause you know, we're not with the economy with NASA not doing stuff. It'd make a lot of sense now that this uh, private enterprises are getting into space exploration. And if they are able to actually decode a signal that's getting sent to Earth from a distant planet. One that's getting, you know, sent periodically from this place, a signal that they've actually found out has been actually been, been sent to us for thousands of years. We've only now have recently been able to decode this message. So that, to me, that would make more sense of why we would track, why we would go after that instead of freaking uh, cave drawings, you know? I, you know I like that. I like that. Yeah. But is that still going out to meet our creators and stuff? Did you still do that? I would still do that. But our thing was, I would, Change it up, you know, okay, the alien trope is that it's going to be a female character. Well, scrap that. I want the main character to be Peter Wayland. I think, Ooh. you know, actually, you no, know, have him be, be played by Michael Fassbender, who, whoever. Have him be our main character instead of it being a female, because we're all expecting that. So he would go out, you know, with, this, with, uh, you know, with the mission. He might be the top scientist, the, the top, you know, explorer, whatever with Utani. I mean, that's stuff you can work out later. But they would go out and they would find this planet. And... With on the on this planet, they would actually discover, you know, the space jockey itself. But the space jockey wouldn't be our creator. I believe I would actually go with that. Another species created the space jockey and also created us. And that the space jockey's one purpose is for the actual destruction of Earth. That the signal itself is not an invitation, but it's actually a kind of a failsafe that our creator set up showing that once we're able to answer this beacon and actually go out to this planet, that we have met our evolutionary end. And now that by us being able to do that, we have actually now become, you know, a threat to the creator. And maybe get into a little bit more, you know, different stuff with creators and creations that maybe our creators were creations themselves and they actually killed their gods and became gods themselves and now are seeding other planets, but their main focus is that they don't want to lose their power that they have. So that's why they set up these fail safes is that, you know, once we answer them, we have to be wiped out. And, you know, actually, if you want to do like the black ooze angle, you know, actually make that like the primordial ooze. And that was actually used to, you know, um, kind of kickstart single cell organisms into evolution and that maybe in a way we actually create xenomorphs ourselves on this planet is that, you know, someone gets injected with this stuff that maybe the space jockey itself actually takes human hosts and puts this black primordial ooze into them and actually creates a xenomorph and the xenomorphs are actually people and that he was actually going to go back to earth and seed us with ourselves and we were going to destroy ourselves from the inside. It's just, I just kind of was brainstorming all these ideas and I just think it would have been a lot more interesting for them to go down a path like that where this message itself was actually a fail safe instead of it's just like a is it an invitation is it an invitation well, why are they well, coming out to destroy us I think I always like the thing is that once you gain all this power the biggest thing you fear is actually losing your power you know that's, that's something, the gods and the titans exactly yeah so and I, I just thought that would have been kind of and I was just always kind of doing a little bit of a rewrite in my head for it and I would have thought that would have been a little bit more of an interesting idea than, you know, what we got. And it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my idea is stupid. I mean, I'd love to hear what people think about it. You want to hit us up on Facebook or, or leave us a message in the guest book or on iTunes. That, that's a cool idea. I, 
I dig it. I dig everything you're saying. It's a lot more interesting than what we got. That's for sure. And the, and the whole ending of the thing would actually have been like Peter Wayland actually somehow, I mean, I don't Kevin put it together, but he would actually have learned how to create life from actually visiting there, whether it was from the space jockey or I was actually thinking maybe the ending of the movie would be the crew sacrificing themselves to take out the ship, almost like, like in Prometheus, except for Peter Whalen survives and that the actual creators themselves actually contact Wayland and because we've actually earned our spot in the thing showing that, you know, we've actually we actually shown that we're actually a We'll, sac- we'll self-sacrifice ourselves just to be able to keep us alive, and that in a way they respect that and stuff, and that they give Peter the knowledge to actually create life, and maybe that's how androids are later created, is that you know Peter Whalen creates artificial life, and that's how he ends up making a big company himself, and that merges, he buys out Whalen Utani. I mean, it's just all a little backstory. I, put I mean, that would, that would be nice. If you're going to do a one big prequel, I like that a lot better than... What we got, that, and it's way better than Space Jesus, which I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> so, but you know, that's or, maybe, another... or maybe even like switch it up. That actually, maybe Peter with with Peter Whalen's actually an android himself. He was made up by him, and that was the reason maybe that the uh, creators and the uh, creators' creation of the space jockey actually is kind of communicates with uh, Peter Whalen because he's an android himself, and they see each other as the same being and being creations to only serve a purpose of their masters. Well, the, the, the whole bit about uh, signal thing, though, and it, that it's not what we think are interpreted as, that goes back to the original Alien, that Ash lies and says it's a beacon, it's a SOS, and Ripley figures out it's a warning. So, you know, uh, maybe... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I could even do a, if I can co-write with you for a moment that the space jockeys go, no, we're not going to go kill the earthlings. There's there's nothing wrong with them. So what? They figured out how to talk to us. That's awesome. And as a punishment, the xenomorph is the punishment. It's the kraken, if you will. And so the last thing that the space jockeys do is set off the warning. That okay, you're reading our signal. Well, don't come here because this is bad. And then yeah, then the nice circle closes. But you know what, Nick? Darn it, we didn't get any of that, so we're stuck with Prometheus. Yeah, I, I'm done. But I'll say this, Nick. It's been fun to revisit all these films, particularly with somebody like you who is a big fan of the series and knows quite a bit about it. Though I think it's funny you've recommended less of these than I have. So <laughs> I told you, I'm getting, I'm getting really cynical at my age, man. It's just, <laughs> it's 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 amazing that. This series has just been a steady drop. It just has. I mean, it starts out at the highest high. It continues on that with Aliens, and just afterwards, it's just a steady decline where you can sit there and be like, you know, Alien 3, you know, I gave that a medium popcorn for the assembly cut and everything. So it goes from, like, extra large, extra large, okay, we're going down to a medium, and then it just hits the lows, and it just can't get itself up. And honestly, I think Prometheus is the worst one of them all. I even probably would watch AVPR over this because... To me, it's like AVPR and ADP are – it's like going out to McDonald's. You know what you're going to get with those. You know well, from the beginning what you're going to get with that. But this is like going out to a really nice restaurant, and it's like I'm going to order the $70 steak on the menu, and you get it, and it tastes like a freaking overcooked rump roast. And it's like, oh, my God, and you're more disappointed about that because you wow. had so much more higher expectations for that, and it should have been better. The canvas of it is, I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous restaurant. It's pretty to sit there, a great atmosphere. But when you get to the meat of the place, it's just bad. And that's exactly what Prometheus is. And to me, just having that big of a disappointment makes it worse. And I reject the criticism that 
Well, if you think too much about it, you expect too much. That's your own fault. No. Go watch it. If built it up to me that this is what this is going to be, then I am right as a fan to have expectations for this film. And you know what? This movie fails all of us. It's so disappointing. That's the only thing. I. That's how I felt walking out of it was what a beautiful, disappointing mess. And it is beautiful. And I, I can't stress that enough how good this looks. I mean, maybe watch the first minute of it, folks. That's all you need. And But when you get into the meat of it, there's just nothing here. And the only person that may survive this out of this whole cast, honestly, is besides Idris Elba, who had nothing to do here, so he'll never get – this won't be held against him. But Theron will because she's a megastar anyway. But I, Fassbender will because he's amazing. And you can make him do anything. I think he could play Captain Kangaroo. It would be fun to watch for two hours. But everybody else, I don't know if Numi Rapace is going to – you know, really make it in America. I know she's a big star overseas and great for her, but I don't know that she's really going to make it here. I don't think people are going to go for her and none of these other people who cares about any of them. Yeah, they can have her actually. I've never, I haven't been impressed with her. I mean, the girl with dragon tattoo is a good movie. She was good in that, but well, that's I've seen her in Sherlock that, Holmes. That character is amazing. I, she is that girl. I mean, I really yeah. think she is that girl that, you know, that awkward goth techno girl and stuff. That is her. I mean, she's playing. I think a lot of that was herself that she was playing. But I've seen her in the Sherlock's home movie and now this. And I am not impressed with her. I mean, they were always they were spouting her off that she's going to be the next, you know, whatever. And it'll be some great actress. And it'll be the next, uh, maybe, you know, Charlie Theron, I guess you could say. She'll be the next one of her, you know, great, great actress. And it's... um. She's. I don't think she's very good. I think she's very bland, and they can keep her. <laughs> well, they're going to have to get her. To the, she's going to get a better role if she wants to be one of those. That's for sure. But I think you've said that she's going to be the next whatever, all right. And that's kind of it. And I'm done with this series, man. I mean, I really don't see why I would ever go back. I, I can say now the only reason I may want to revisit these is if I ever make the jump to the Blu-ray world <laughs> like the rest of the country apparently and i want i'd love to see alien and aliens in the blu-ray touch and maybe watch the uh, per, uh not the theatrical cut but the it's called assembly cut there we go assembly cut of alien 3 in in blu-ray but i don't i will never watch resurrection again i don't even know why but i want to see that i may watch avp again for fun i avpr i would have to be with a lot of people and you know making fun of it mystery science theater style they ever want to watch that again but this is right there with it i don't know that i want to sit through this again i think it all goes in order aliens the one i'd want to watch first then followed by aliens and followed by alien 3 then alien resurrection then avp then avpr and prometheus would be the last one i want to watch <laughs> i would watch avp before i'd write resurrection but you're pretty well right on yeah that's that's about how the series goes so well folks we thank you for joining us for this series you can find more on our website you can just play podcast.com slash movies lots of other stuff on there we've done horror movies we've done comedy movies we've done romance movies we've done even some animated films we've kind of hit it all here and we've got a lot more fun stuff stuff coming up for you as well one other series we can talk about now that we know is going to be coming out there's a new born film coming out in august and i've never seen any of those as we talked about on a previous session show and nick you're a fan of the movies and the books so we're going to hit up and watch all of the matt damon born movies and then watch the new jeremy renner movie too and get that out in early fall for folks so looking forward to checking that one out lots of other stuff coming up don't forget we will cap off our batman series too with the dark knight rises when that hits theaters i know that's i mean besides brave man i'm hoping that's good or otherwise this summer is going to be a real 
drag. I mean, I like the Avengers, but it's not transcendental or anything. So I, I don't know. I, I'm worried. I'm worried so that this is going to be another summer of just gluck for us to uh, spilt through here. But we'll talk. Yeah, this, about is, this is like going to Disney World and finding out it's closed. <laughs> yeah. This summer. I want to. It's like Wally World on vacation. I want to punch the moose, <laughs> and I like to punch Ridley. I like to punch Xenomorph right now. So, but. Uh, at any rate, we're glad you joined us, folks, and forward to talking more movies with you guys in the future. We'll have another sessions out probably toward the end of summer, too, to sort of do a cap on that. And then, hey, this fall, you never know what we might get into. I mean, I'm always up for some scares in October. We had some fun with that last year, so we'll see what we can come up with. You know Leprechaun 4 is going to be a part of that, folks. So we got a lot of that, and then who knows what will hit by the end of 2020. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. Looks like we take off, nuke the site from orbit. There's only way to be sure. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off.